0: I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Scott. Welcome to Skip Don Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist.
0: We're going to be taking a look at Leonard Cohen's song, The Smoky Life, off of his 1979 album, Recent Songs.
2: I've never seen your eyes so wide. I've never seen your appetite quite this occupied. Elsewhere is your feast of love.
0: I know. In doing this podcast, there's obviously a ton of important musicians and bands that we talk about. For me, Leonard Cohen is one of the most important ones. He's just been such a big influence on me. And it's interesting for... Some guy who, whose career was mostly over by the time I even realized he was someone to to that I you know some some musician out there. So I'm really excited to do this podcast and kind of talk about what Cohen means to me, and also kind of share a little bit with those who are unfamiliar with him. Although I feel like in recent years his his star has risen uh, very <laughs> very oddly. I, I mean his his whole career is just very interesting and and strange coming from a a background as trying to make it as a writer and then kind of taking this interesting turn into songwriting and becoming someone who's so well referenced by pretty much any singer songwriter out there they'll they'll pretty much for the most part cite leonard cohen as a pretty big influence at least as far as you know people i've heard mentioning him
1: yeah, what what's what's always inter- is interested me about Leonard Cohen is is how distinct his sound is, you know. Like there are so many artists out there that they they have a distinctive quality to them that you know you can, you know, identify a track by them before you even know that it's a track by them, you know, that kind of thing. But I feel like with Leonard Cohen, his 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 sound is not only distinct to him, but distinct in general from music in general. Like obviously, he starts out, and we're going to go into this. He starts out as par- primarily being like a folk artist, but then he starts adding in these other elements, and 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 especially when he gets into his synth phase, where he starts adding a lot of keyboards in, he creates this like otherworldly, weird, just mood that it, it's similar to what we talked about in the Tom Waits episode, where Tom Waits actually like creates this this sound that you just, I don't know, as soon as it starts, you're like, this sounds like Tom Waits, you know? And it's not that it sounds like something that happened before Tom Waits. It sounds like Tom Waits. And I feel like Leonard Cohen has that same thing where it's like, I don't know. It's just so definable that it's a Leonard Cohen track or Leonard Cohen sounding track that he almost invented like this entire genre that's just like the Leonard Cohen sound. So that's what really draws me to him is that you're when I, I feel like when I listen to Leonard Cohen, especially his earlier stuff and the synth stuff, uh, I start to you know I listen to it. I think to myself like. There is nothing else that sounds like this, and nothing else that evokes the same moods and same like textures that he does. So, so it's it, to me, it's really exciting talking about Leonard Cohen and listening to Leonard Cohen because I feel like you can't have the same conversation about anything else. He
2: married one, one.
0: Leonard Cohen is born in Canada in 1934. His maternal grandfather was a Jewish rabbi, and his paternal grandfather was the founder of the Canadian Jewish Congress and Advocacy Group. So he has this deep connection to religion in his music, brought on by growing up observing Orthodox Judaism. His father owned a clothing store, and Leonard Cohen has said that's the reason you can always find him wearing a suit. In high school, Cohen began his interest in theater, poetry, and the arts in general. He taught himself to play guitar. He met someone who played flamenco style, and he switched to classical guitar or nylon string guitar that you can hear him play throughout the rest of his career. His love of music, he says, came from his mother, who would basically be singing constantly around the house, or when he'd go out, if they were at a restaurant, he might bring his guitar along, and his mother would sing along with him. In 1956, he went to New York City and studied for a year at Columbia University. It was there that he started getting an interest in the Greenwich Village music scene of writers and musicians and the general creative types there, but he mainly wanted to focus on writing, so he came back to Montreal the following year. Cohen's father had died when he was just nine years old, but had left Cohen a trust, and he used that money to pursue his interest in writing. He writes some books of poetry and some novels. He gets a little bit of recognition and acclaim. He ends up buying a house and moves out to the Greek island of Hydra. Cohen's living in Greece and he starts hearing all this 1960s folk music. People like Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, and Judy Collins. And he's really interested in the the music scene that's happening in New York City. So he packs up his stuff, moves there, moves into the very famous Chelsea Hotel known for housing many creative types back in the day. And he's determined basically to now become a songwriter since his literary career hasn't really gone anywhere
1: this is really interesting to me as far as like the history of somebody like a a musician like Leonard Cohen, because at this point he's, he's, he's in his thirties like, and he's already done all this stuff. Like I feel like most of the time when we talk about, you know, are are you know the the artists on on our show here? We we usually say that they get started
0: young. Yeah, they're a teenager at, yeah, or in their early twenties, struggling to do it, right. Yeah, as and, opposed to this 30, this, yeah, 30 something like, year old guy. I'm
1: in my thirties, and now I'm just like you know what? I want to be a singer songwriter, so I'm moving to the city, and I'm going to do that. Like it's just a really interesting thing. It certainly wouldn't happen today. Like I mean, if you're if you're, under, if you're over 21 and you want to start a music career today, you're, you're basically screwed. <laughs> Unless you're on
0: a, a reality competition yeah, show. That, not, that's, yeah. your only, that's your only avenue left. <laughs> In 1966, Judy Collins records Cohen Suzanne and dress rehearsal rag for her album In My Life. That gets Cohen some attention as a songwriter, and she actually invites him on some of her television appearances, and they duet together on those tracks. In 1967, Cohen plays at the Newport Folk Festival and gets approached by John Hammond, not the Jurassic Park guy. Spared no expense. (laughs) But but an A&R guy who works for Columbia Records who signs him to a record deal. So he goes into the studio to record his very first album at the age of 33. Hammond is supposed to produce the album with him. They work on arrangements together, but Hammond ends up getting sick and he's replaced by another producer, John Simon. Simon and Cohen don't get along over how the album is supposed to sound. Cohen didn't want any drums on it or any of the additional instrumentation or orchestration that you do hear on that record. The album had mixed reviews, but it sold well and it's now seen as one of Cohen's best records. And you'll probably know one of his, if not his most famous song, Suzanne. You
2: want to travel with him and you want to travel blind. For he's touched your perfect body with his mind Now Suzanne takes your hand And she leads you to the river
0: He follows that record up by going to Nashville And recording songs from A Room Which features the song Bird on the Wire
2: Like a bird like a drunken in a midnight choir, I have tried in my way to be free.
0: For that record, he worked with producer Bob Johnston, who agreed to the sparse arrangements that Cohen wanted. And in 1970, Cohen travels to the U.K. to play at the Isle of Wight Festival for its approximated 600,000 people. The crowd had been rowdy and restless. They booed Chris Christofferson and other people on the stage cohen kind of wandered out at 4 a.m in the morning and slowly gets ready to play and then plays this amazing captivating performance that has since been released on record and video and stuff so it's definitely worth worth checking out so cohen works again with bob johnston in 1971 to record songs of love and hate you might have heard another one of cohen's iconic tracks famous blue raincoat it's
2: four in the morning the end of december I'm writing you now just to see if you're better. New York is cold, but I like where I'm living. There's music on Clinton Street all through the evening.
0: I hear that you're Bill. Again, it's a very sparse production, but Cohen starts getting darker lyrically speaking. It's kind of an angry, bitter album. And so in 1974, Cohen wants to do something a little different from the folk records he's he's been doing. And he co-produces New Skin for the Old Ceremony, which features the track Lover, Lover, Lover.
2: I asked my father. I said, father, change my name. The one I'm using now, it's covered up with fear and filth and cowardice and shame. Yes, and lover, 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 come back to me. Yes, and lover, 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 lover,
0: lover, That song gives you a better idea of the kind of sound that he wanted. He wanted more of a full band than just kind of him with an acoustic guitar like the previous two records have been and, but the song is still cemented around Cohen's playing. He's still playing guitar on there. There's just a lot of other accompaniment joining him.
1: It's interesting that he started out fighting really hard against doing that. And then he finally does his sparse arrangements and then he starts slowly adding instruments back in. So just interesting that he started out and then he's like going back to how he began, even though how he began was not how he wanted to begin. (laughs)
0: So, Cohen follows that thread, tours for a while, incorporates these additional musicians to form a new touring band that features backup singers and, again, has has more of a, a full band sound. A little bit later, he wants to change up his sound again, so records Death of a Ladies Man with Phil Spector, and that recording and album is absolutely disastrous. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, but uh, a good example of how that album sounds because it is a significant outlier in cohen's catalog here's a song from that record memories So after that, Cohen kind of gets back to basics and in 1979 records recent songs, which is where our song The Smoky Life comes from today. After that record comes out, he tours, but then he takes a break for five years and he doesn't write or make any music until a book of his, Book of Mercy, comes out in 1984 and he records the album Various Positions and he has this brand new sound incorporating synthesizers, has a lot of vocal harmonies on the tracks, and this is also the record that famously has hallelujah on it. Uh, there were-
1: Chances are you've heard Hallelujah. A million times, sung by a million different people. It's easily one of the most covered songs ever. I mean, the famous Jeff Buckley cover, the Rufus Wainwright cover, which is very similar to the Jeff Buckley cover. Uh, I believe American Idol people uh, sing it all the time, and The Voice. I, I mean, you can't. And escape. it showed up
0: in television, movies. and Yeah, stuff you
1: cannot escape this song. This is easily one of the biggest things that he, he's ever you know ever done as far as his musical output is concerned.
0: And interestingly, the record company rejected the album at first when they heard it so the album that has Hallelujah on it a record company exec heard and said you're not going to put that out I think in just the United States so another just kind of weird thing that his biggest song was kind of kept from part of his audience for, for a while there so Cohen continues to follow this new sound and in 1988 comes out with I'm Your Man which has the track Everybody Knows on it
3: Everybody knows that the days are loaded
1: Along with everybody knows, I'm your man is filled with all sorts of iconic Cohen songs and ended up being kind of like the beginning of like um, almost like a renaissance for Cohen because he he came up you know in the '60s and, and '70s and then kind of vanished a little while after the debacle of the Phil Spector thing, which we're going to get into later, and then starts to come back a little bit, and then all of a sudden I'm your man is like pretty much a sizable a sizable hit for him.
0: So he has a big hit with that record towards the world. Releases another album, 1992's The Future. Similarly, with I'm Your Man, a ton of what would come to be just concert staples of, of Cohen's. He goes out, does another big tour, and then kind of drops off the face of the earth. So, Cohen, for all sorts of personal reasons, personal struggles, he doesn't really get into too many specifics about it. He goes to what's called the Mount Baldy Zen Center, which is just outside of Los Angeles in 1994. It's a monastery where he ends up staying there for several years. He even becomes a Buddhist monk in 1992. And he serves as a personal assistant and cook for Roshi, who's the Zen teacher at this monastery. He ends up returning to music, and he records with the help of collaborator Sharon Robinson a collection of new tracks, which is appropriately titled Ten New Songs. This was in 2001, approximately nine years after his last record. Here's a song from Ten New Songs called A Thousand Kisses Deep. You win a
3: while, and then it's done. Your little winning streak.
0: He continues to do some other collaborative projects here and there. The film Leonard Cohen, I'm Your Man featuring Nick Cave, U2, and others covering his music kind of raises Cohen's profile yet again to a new generation of artists. Then a few years later, Cohen finds out that his manager has taken all his money and he has basically no retirement nest whatsoever to fall back on. So this pushes him to begin touring and recording again. And pretty much from this is 2008, pretty much from this time through to his death, he's basically just recording and touring seemingly constantly until his health health fails kind of towards the end of his life. Um One of those records, 2012's Old Ideas, to give you an idea of how that sounds, here's a song from that record called Darkness. I'll cut the darkness, it was drinking from your cup, I'll cut the darkness,
3: drinking from your cup, I said, is this contagious? said just drink it up so
0: cohen would continue recording and touring until his death in 2016 which was basically from a fall in the middle of night he had gotten up fell seemingly okay went back to sleep and died in his sleep so now let's jump back to 1979 let's talk about recent songs and let's chat a little bit about the circumstances leading up to the recording of that album, a lot of which have to do has to do with the previous album, 1977's Death of a Ladies Man.
1: We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon.
0: Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast.
3: The scenery started
2: fading to walk on in yeah. down, so down In
0: 1977, Leonard Cohen had a lot going on. His relationship with Susan Elrod, who's the mother of his two children, was falling apart. She is not that Suzanne, by the way. <laughs> so don't 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 confuse the two. <laughs> So he's going through, you know, personal difficulties with the end of this relationship. And he's also trying to make a new album and wants to, as we mentioned before, change up the sound from he, he knows he wants to use some folk elements, but wants to have a, a band in there and he's not quite sure how to get it done. And so he returns to the U.S. and hires a producer rather than relying on himself. Cohen says, when I started producing myself, I had a lot of problems. You have to speak specifically to musicians, and I didn't have the technical language. I wanted to make it full and rhythmic, but I couldn't get what I wanted, and that's why I eventually turned to Phil Spector. Now,
1: if you are a person who does not really know who Phil Spector is, we're not going to go into everything about him because that would take six podcasts at least, but uh, he is a musical producer that got his big breaks in the 60s recording singles, big singles by girl groups. Pop groups of the the day and uh, has a very distinct production style which is referred to as the wall of sound. He basically pioneered the idea of multi-track recording uh, adding tons and tons of instrumentation overlaid on top of each other to create this very distinct sound. He created this sound that was so distinct that you could actually tell who produced the record. Not who was playing on the record, not who was singing on the record, but actually who was behind the console. That was how distinctive it feels. Spectre's sound was. And the wall of sound technique really helped with a lot of different bands, uh, including, you know, the early girl groups that he was working with, like the Crystals and Darlene Love and all these other people. It also is notable because he produced the uh, Beatles album, Let It Be, which has this very distinct sound to it, which is, you know, lines up well with like the Phil Spectre sound. and also adds in that Beatles element, but for Leonard Cohen, it it was a weird decision to make because Phil Spector is all about huge. Like, I mean, he's a huge personality in, in, in good <laughs> and bad ways. He's a huge personality and he creates these huge sounding records. And to bring in somebody whose definitive characteristic is quiet, subdued, dark, mysterious letter to Cohen to bring in this big, bombastic loud sound was just a really weird decision to make at the time. And on, you know, at first you might think like, oh, well, that'll be interesting. But then you listen to the record and you're like, this is, this is interesting in a bad way.
0: <laughs> the other thing you need to know about Phil Spector is he is a little unhinged is is pretty much the kindest way to put it. I mean, Cohen, Cohen talks about this period and he talks about just booze and guns everywhere. He talks about, they were slipping on bullets on the floor of the, the studio <laughs> Cohen says he pulled a gun on the fiddle player at some point. And Cohen even says that he pulled a gun on him and held the gun to Cohen's head. And he says, I love you, Leonard. And Cohen responded with, I certainly hope so.
1: <laughs> that is such, that is such so, a Leonard so even, Cohen. Yeah, that it's, is it's so
0: that, yeah. If you need to walk away with anything about <laughs> Leonard Cohen's wit and dry humor, it, it, it should be that. So it's this Horribly difficult situation working with Phil Spector, who is just doing what he wants with Leonard Cohen, who is just kind of a broken guy at this point, Uh, personally and professionally. He doesn't really know what direction he's heading in and fighting, you know, with this, this really huge personality. Cohen has even said that Spector would take the tapes with him. While they were recording so cohen wouldn't apparently leave with them and phil specter would secretly mix things without cohen so it was this whole just disastrous period and yeah anything you listen to from this record it just doesn't sound at all like leonard cohen in in really any capacity aside from just you know if you know cohen well enough you would be like oh i i can hear the ly- lyrically this being a leonard cohen song but in terms of sound you don't get any of that whatsoever so that's why it's important to lead into the record that we're gonna talk about today, 1979's recent song. It's the album he kind of comes back with and gets back to his roots, and the track that we're gonna to discuss today, which is The Smoky Life.
2: Anyway, the smoky life is practiced. Anyway,
3: Less heart ready.
2: Take
0: a Recent songs is really something of a comeback record for Leonard Cohen, if that makes any kind of sense. He needed to really reclaim his sound after what had happened with Phil Spector. And I think he had a lot more balance in his life in terms of what was going on in his personal relationships and what he wanted to do musically. So it's this very slow delicate record that evokes a lot of what you heard in the early cohen stuff but also kind of incorporates some new eastern influences a little bit this these kind of like gypsy folk elements and and you kind of get a sense from back when he was talking four or five years ago about this new kind of sound he wanted he he sort of manages to mold it a little bit more with this record and it's something he had clearly been when you read interviews with him from from this period or even later he reflects pretty fondly on the making of this record
1: yeah i read a quote from him while we were doing research for this episode that he he considers this to be his favorite of of the albums that he's put out this is the one that 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 he Had a concept of at the beginning and then the output strongly matched that original concept, which, you know, as we've discussed, isn't exactly the trend for Leonard Cohen. You know, he goes into working with Phil Spector and comes out with this thing that he's like, I don't even know what this is. And then his first record songs, of Leonard Cohen, he went in and the producer wanted to gear it in a certain way. And, you know, so this is one of the first times that he's gone in, created a record that he wanted to make come out and been like, wow, I'm really proud of this.
0: This record is also important because it's when Cohen starts working with Sharon Robinson, who he would continue to collaborate with throughout his career. Uh, She's co-collaborator on the 10 New Songs album, also does backup singing for a lot of his latter tours. Uh, This is also the record where he starts having more female vocal harmonies. And one of the people who sings on this record and sings on The Smoky Life is Jennifer Warren's. If you're not familiar with that name, she's a very famous singer. You've probably heard her duet with Joe Cocker, Up Where We Belong, from An Officer and a Gentleman, or I've Had the Time of My Life with Bill Medley from Dirty Dancing.
1: As an interesting side note about Jennifer Warren's, uh, she was getting to be super famous, you know, and, and doing her own solo stuff, but she still elected to tour as a backup singer for Leonard Cohen to give you an idea of just how close these people were and how, uh, this, this record recent songs is, is kind of like the, the, the beginning of that relationship and, and how strong that must be to be, you know, I, I mean, it, imagine if you would like Lady Gaga going out on a backing vocal tour with somebody else and you'd be like, well, that's kind of weird, you know? So that, that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of personality that Leonard Cohen has and the kind of kinship that he creates with the people in his life is that people tend to strongly connect with him and, and want to spend tons of time with him and create with him and, and all that. And uh, it's really interesting that this album is kind of the beginning of that relationship with that particular artist.
0: A lot of the songs on this record, and The Smoky Life in particular, very much have to do with talking about dealing with close personal relationships, and so a lot of the songs that ended up on this record are basically Cohen working through things that he's been dealing with for the past few years. And you very much get the sense in this song, I think overall, and in a lot of the other tracks, this sense of letting go and accepting things as they are and accepting that things change over time and you're not really in control of any any of that uh, you might want to if, if you're going to kind of compare Leonard Cohen's outlook previously on relationships you might want to listen to 1973's songs of love and hate and kind of hear how dark and angry and sometimes weird that album is compared to the sense of calm that sort of pervades recent songs,
1: especially with the lyrical content of, of, of this track, the smoky life, you get the sense of, of, of a man looking at his life. And like you said, kind of accepting what, what what it is about that, but also kind of deciding that the best thing to do is to, to contemplate it is to kind of think about things and, 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 not try to change them, but just kind of accept them, process them, and then move through life with the knowledge of, of those incidences. And I think that you, you really get that in, in this particular song uh, on, on the album with, uh, you know, you, you've got the, the first, the first uh, couple of lyrical lines are, are more Leonard speaking directly to someone and, and mentioning things in the history and what's going on right at the moment. And then kind of throughout the rest of the track, kind of complimenting, uh, uh, contemplating those, those things that, that he perceives within the relationship. A good example of this is, is, is one of these lines in the, uh, in the middle of the song here where he says, Remember when the scenery started fading, I held you till you learned to walk on air. So don't look down, the ground is gone, there's no one waiting anyway. The smoky life is practice everywhere. So, with with lines like this, I definitely get the feeling that what Leonard is doing is he's he's reflecting on the troubled history that he has with this relationship. And especially with the starting line, remember when the scenery started fading. Kind of representing, like, remember when things started to not be the way that they were anymore. And And I don't get the sense of him being, like, upset or happy or really anything. I just get him sort of saying, like, this is what happened. And... Let's acknowledge that. And and that's kind of what I'm getting from the song as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think it's the sense of someone else moving on from him and him being okay with letting go. I think there's a lot of songs where it's like, you're moving on and I'm moving on and everything's fine. Or whether that's true or a lie. But I think in this song, it's interesting because it's someone moving on and Cohen's still sitting there, as you said, contemplating and being being like, I'll just watch you walk away. That's That's fine. I don't need to be anywhere or get anywhere right now. I just kind of need to be okay with myself. And this song is kind of just taking a little bit of a deep breath. And I think you get that sense in the line. I've never seen your eyes so wide. I've never seen your appetite quite this occupied. Elsewhere is your feast of love. So I think he knows you're, you're attracted to someone else or you want to be someone else, be, be with someone else. Maybe, you know, you're, you're still into me, but I can sense that your passions potentially lie elsewhere. And then he follows that up with, I know where long ago we agreed to keep it light. So let's be married one more night. It's light, light enough to let it go. So I think it's kind of accepting whatever, whatever we're having is coming to an end. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Like I'm going to miss it and I care about you and it means something to me, but we're never quite sure exactly what it means. He doesn't really give us any indication about what this relationship means to him. Aside from just like this, this was a moment in my life that I spent intimately with someone and now they're on their way. And this is, he He evokes this changing of the seasons, like the autumn leaves and snow. So I think it's the cycle of, you know, I've been here before. I know, how the, I'm old enough to know how this works now, and I'm just okay with it. And this is the normal cycle of life, at least in Cohen's experience of people kind of coming, these relationships starting and then ending.
1: I agree, and I think it's really interesting that you have to, you know, think about Leonard Cohen, the poet, and poetry is 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 very much a a a. Dis- for me anyway, when I think of poetry, I think of somebody sitting down and figuring out a way to artistically describe something. You know, I mean, obviously I'm sure there are people who are big poetry fans that are listening to our podcast and are going to totally disagree with that. (laughs) But when I think of poetry, I think of someone saying, how can I describe something without using a photograph, with just using words and evoking a image of what i'm talking about in someone's head using this like artistic language like that's what i think of and so you know leonard cohen started as a poet as we mentioned earlier in the episode he was doing poetry for years before he even started uh, a musical career of any kind and i think that with this song it's i mean with with most leonard cohen songs but obviously with this one in particular he's he is doing that he's like looking at a moment kind of like stepping out of himself and watching this moment between him and 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 this relationship that he's having and being like i'm going to describe this scene i'm going to describe what's going on and kind of like give my own interpretation of the events and and doing that in like a kind of like poetic fashion and i think it's really interesting to think about those kinds of things because like you mentioned when you hear breakup songs or songs about relationships and love lost, we tend to find somebody either going like to certain extremes, whether it's like, fuck you, get out of my life. I hate you. Or, you know, I can live without you and I'm a super strong independent person and I'm going to continue on with my life. You know, like I feel like those are the two extremes that people tend to fall on. And with Leonard Cohen and especially this track, he just kind of just sits down and is his easy chair and he looks at it and he's just like, yeah, like this is happening, man, you know, and I'm going to live in it and I'm going to be a part of it and accept it and process it like a normal adult.
0: (laughs) And I feel like also with the lines, don't argue now or you'll be late. There is nothing to investigate. It's almost as though he's convincing this person. No, I, I understand. And you need, it's fine yeah. like you can you can leave me sitting here in my chair <laughs> I'll be okay but you you go ahead because discussing this I've I've been through this I already know I, I know what's up I know what's going on and save your save yourself the time of explaining to me because I right. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with
1: go to your with, new feast of love yes
0: <laughs>
2: there was no time waiting for Mother. the Now, you'll believe there is nothing to investigate
0: it's Cohen mentions the title of the song "The Smoky Life" a couple times, and he says, "The Smoky life is practiced everywhere." And I think we've been kind of trying to figure out exactly what he means. And like most Leonard Cohen songs, everything's always a little ambiguous. I think it's important to consider Cohen's upbringing in the Jewish faith and how he incorporates a lot of religious elements into his music. And especially him, whereas we mentioned him joining this Zen monastery and becoming a Buddhist monk, there's a lot of this reflection and meditation That's such an important part of Cohen's personal life and I think also is is very much espoused in the writing of the songs. One thing I like about certain writers is when they notice kind of the the unspoken rituals that people go through that maybe they don't recognize them as being ritualized in some way. And I think the smoky life, he's kind of pointing out that humans, regardless of where we are or who we are or what our religious affiliations are. We all kind of do this thing where we have to move on from a relationship or someone disappears from our lives for one reason or another. And I think the smoky life is him putting that more eloquently than like people come and go from your life. And that's really sad and hard to deal with. (laughs) Um, You know, you talked about, you know, people, people putting things, you know, more creatively uh, in, in, in poetry. And I think that's kind of, Cohen's take on this is the the smoky life is the ephemeral nature of all these relationships and it's this process that we all go through like over and over and over again and sometimes we don't even notice it and sometimes we don't even notice how we deal with it or how we process it. So I think he's kind of taking some time sitting here by being like the smoky life is practiced everywhere. Like, I don't know if everyone else has noticed this, but I've been through this enough times that I've sat and thought about it and I've looked at other people and I've noticed there's just this thing that happens all the time as people leave our lives and we all just kind of need to come to some kind of peace with it. That is kind of what I think he's suggesting here, you know, with all with all this talk of, you know, things being light enough to let it go. And, you know, he, he, kind of ends the song with come on back. If the moment lends, you can look up all my very closest friends. I think there's this sense of people leave our lives, but they're not gone forever. We can revisit the memories of them or whether they like actually come back to, to, to talk in some way or come back, you know, back into your orbit. Cause also, you know, a lot of relationships end and then there's this very weird thing that goes on where it's, are they your friends? Are they my friends? Do we keep seeing like both sides, you know, do we keep seeing both sides of the couple? And I think he's kind of like saying like, I'm okay. If you're, if you're back around and and you come around again and you know, you want to get together again, or "I, I have no hard feelings here. Same thing if, you know, you want to talk to anybody that knows me, like I'm not going to be bitter or, or hold it against you in any way. So I, I, I think there's kind of all these things put into this song that, you know, if, if you're just kind of on put 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 music on shuffle or just kind of like half listen to this album, I, I think you'll miss kind of just how deep every Cohen song is. And that's kind of what you need to remember about listening to Leonard Cohen is here's a guy who spends years writing songs just years. And I'm not exaggerating at all. He'll, (laughs) he'll just talk about how it takes him forever to write songs. And one of my favorite quotes of his is if, if I knew where the good songs came from, I would go there more often. (laughs) And, and I think, you know, that's kind of what the smoky life sort of represents is this, you know, it's, it's this lifetime of experience distilled down into a few minutes of song. And I think it, 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 it's an important song with an important message and I think it's kind of hard to appreciate it in, in any other way aside from like the Leonard Cohen way, which is very quiet, poetic meditation on, on a complex idea that we all go through. Light.
1: the episode you mentioned the uh, film I'm Your Man which has a bunch of tributes from you 2 and a bunch of other people in it and uh, it's interesting you said because that kind of reintroduced him to a new crop of people that maybe had never heard of him before and that was totally me like I remember seeing the cover of that video and having all this praise given onto it and thinking to myself like Leonard Cohen like who's this guy and then I you know I started doing more research into it and I found out that he wrote Hallelujah which was on a Jeff Buckley record that I really enjoyed and so I and then I started realizing like oh my god he's written all these other songs that I know like so long Marianne and Suzanne and all these all these majorly famous folk tracks that I knew but I just didn't know it was him and so I started looking into it more and I bought a couple of records I think I bought like a greatest hits or essential collection or something like that and I and I really liked it I was like this guy is really great and then I delved deeper and and downloaded some more albums and did some more stuff like that. Uh, but eventually I found out that he was going on a big tour and he was going to be coming to Connecticut. And I said to myself, I got to see him. You know, the guy's. I think at that time he was over 80 years old. And I was like, if he, if I don't see him now, like who knows how long I'll have a chance to, to be able to see him. And, uh, for those of you who don't know Leonard Cohen, even though he was in his eighties, he still played for probably over three hours every single night. And he played everything, it, you know, songs from his first record all the way through to his newest stuff. Every major song that you've ever heard of Leonard Cohen's, including Hallelujah and So Long Marianne, all those big, you know, hits, classic songs you know, they were in the set and his, his songs tend to be long. Like each song I think is like five minutes long. So when you do all those songs together, like you're going to be playing for like three hours. And, uh, and so the, the thing that happened at this concert that really made me like, just love Leonard Cohen so much is the band would come out and, in and, and without Leonard, the band would come out and they all had these like similar outfits on with the hat and the suits and everything, they come out, dark stage, and they started playing the song, and Leonard still hasn't been on the stage yet, they start playing the song, they get through a couple bars, and then the spotlight turns on, and Leonard Cohen very, very slowly walks out on stage, you know, comes out, and he's, he's you know, the guy's old, you know, he's in his eighties, and he just starts, you know, slowly meandering out on the stage, and it's all dark with his hat on. And then, out of nowhere, sprints to the mic, and I'm talking sprints. Like I've never seen an eighty-year-old man run as fast as he did. Runs to the stage, he runs to the microphone, and starts singing. And and it was like it was like he was twenty years old. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh my god, like what an amazing performer, what an amazing artist. Just just the idea of him being eighty years old and running to the mic. Ready to play, it was like this moment where I said, like, "Wow, like this guy loves music, he loves doing what he 's doing, and he has something to tell us and he 's going to run to the microphone and tell us for the next three hours all about it and uh, I was there with my dad and his wife and my girlfriend at the time, and we were just enraptured the whole time, and uh, I think my dad 's wife was a little by the by the 2 hour mark she started to get a little bit irritated because i will admit that if you listen to a lot of leonard cohen a lot of it kind of has like the same feel to it and you know kind of tends to become like this 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 sad tone that kind of just like starts to sound like a lot you know it starts to sound like a lot of the same thing over and over again, and so I could see why she was kind of getting irritated. But but I'll remember that concert forever. And he he died shortly after that, that show that I saw. So I was so lucky that I actually got to go in and, and see him. But uh, but yeah, I think that Leonard Cohen is is one of those musicians and one of those artists that you you just tend to associate yourself with and fall in love with. As far as like just as you know from a from an audience to uh, you know from audience perspective to the artist, just you just create this connection that you don't. Really really get with too many artists. And I feel like that's why, you know, when you meet somebody and they say, Oh, are you a Leonard Cohen fan? They usually are like, Oh my God. Like I am a Leonard Cohen fan. You don't really meet too many people that are just like, Oh yeah, Leonard Cohen's pretty good. It's usually like, no, like this is, he is everything to me. (laughs) Leonard
0: Cohen's really important to me because he came in to this like strange moment in my life where I was ending one really long relationship And getting involved in another relationship and there's this weird period of overlap and these mixed feelings about like do I really want to leave this person and this other person's so interesting and I really want to be with them and just feeling so conflicted about my life and my and my feelings and the direction I'm heading in. And so I'm I'm. In the process of, as I mentioned, breaking up with this other person uh, and getting together with someone new, uh, I'm out with that new person who would, in the future, become my wife. Uh, we're out for the day and we shop around and we go into a mall and we walk into a record store and there's the face. It's Leonard <laughs> Cohen staring at me. It was it was the essential Leonard Cohen. It, it was super cheap. I think it was like twelve eighty eight. This is like back in the day where in a single CD would cost you like 15 bucks. So it was this two disc, two disc career spanning set of Cohen tracks. And as I mentioned, I only knew two songs. That was pretty much all I had known. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy it. So I bought it. I didn't listen to it until later that day. And it just kind of made me feel so much better about everything going on in my life because Leonard Cohen's just kind of always talking about, you know, your your spirit being pulled in different directions and how complicated relationships are and how you just kind of need to accept things and how other things are just going to inevitably change. And also speaking a little bit to uh, just so many different facets of life, whether it's something like. Everybody knows or the future kind of having these political undertones and just everything about it was so captivating to me at at such a vulnerable moment in my life that I was just like, here's a guy who who knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) And I'm sure, you know, other people have felt that way. But I felt like such a deep connection to someone who, you know, I had randomly listened to a couple of tracks by covered by other people. And I was just like, this is this this is my guy. This guy knows (laughs) knows what he's talking about. Um, And that's when I became just like a super huge Cohen fan. Um, I got to see him, you know, perform a couple times. And as Scott said, it was just amazing just incredible uh performance that he he puts on where even though you know reflecting back on it as as we talked about earlier in the episode you know there was kind of a a commercial aspect of it of here's a guy who you know is, is is trying to reinvigorate his career out of somewhat necessity but you didn't sense that and i don't think that's really what it ended up being about for cohen performing and coming back because he continued to release albums and continued to tour because he had a massively successful tour and probably said, you know, like I'm 80 something probably have, you know, five more years or whatever of health left. Why would I do all this? And he just kept doing it and kept sharing. And there's something just really inspirational about that. So needless to say, despite being an, an older person who is inevitably going going to pass in some way. I was very affected by the death of Leonard Cohen. Uh, for you know all the all the reasons I've mentioned, the way I found out was uh, Donald Trump had just been elected president, and uh, my wife and I went out with a friend to go see. The movie moonlight we were just kind of we wanted to we really wanted to see it and we also just wanted this experience to kind of take us out of the world that we currently found ourselves in um went to go see the movie you know very very emotional film in, in and of itself uh get out of the film and then we saw a text from one of our other friends that's like oh leonard cohen died uh so my wife and i kind of just sat upset in the car about just you know every Everything. What a shit day. And, and yeah, I, that's that's kind of how I felt. I was just like, oh, this is, you know, terrible. And it's like in that moment that, you know, you need to also kind of Leonard Cohen, a lot of Leonard Cohen's latter albums really reflect on death in a lot of ways. And he, you know, he he knows that, you know, he doesn't have too much time left on left on the earth. And I think. I don't know. There's just, there's just something so interesting about when you listen to you know musical artists where you just feel like oh that's that's my band or that's my person you know what whatever it might be and for me you know that's Leonard Cohen and it's one of those moments that I felt really upset but also kind of the sense of peace of just like well I've already heard him talk about this he's already prepared me <laughs> for for you know this this happening and and has made me feel better about it so you know whenever I kind of need a sense of peace for me like Leonard Cohen is someone i i kind of retreat to it's kind of just someone sharing some wise advice with you certainly helps that he has like this deep gravelly voice that, that communicates a lot of like, I've, I know, I know things, please trust me, (laughs) you know? And, and it's like just so soothing and comforting. And there's, you know, I I think there's a lot of bands you listen to, or a lot of musicians you listen to for a variety of reasons. Like, Oh, I'm feeling angry. I'm going to throw on some punk music. I'm, you know, feeling this or that, but whenever I just need kind of a sense of calm and peace, like Leonard Cohen is, is my go-to person, despite, ironically kind of singing about all sorts of difficult situations, but you know, it's, it's always this message of kind of pulling through and also just that you have to kind of let some things go and you can't control everything. Thank you for listening to this episode of skipped on shuffle. Be sure to visit our webpage at skipped where we have a blog and links to our social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes.
1: We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle, a ad-free podcast, so if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Skipped on Shuffle. Any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle, a ad-free experience, and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.